Okay, good afternoon everyone. There are some people here for the very first time. So we are busy with a sermon series and it's called The Wise, W-H-Y, The Wise of Life. So, so many times you hear that question, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on in my life? So sermon series is upon the wise of life. So originally I wanted to do today's message on why is faith so important? I just see so much foolishness these days and people call it faith and it's not faith at all. It's absolutely just stupidity. And when we receive faith, faith comes from God. So what people are saying is when they're acting in faith and something is really ridiculous or stupid, they're saying, I got that from God. And guess who gets the blame? And God had nothing to do with it. And I hear this over and over and see people acting out something and then saying, well, we, we, we took a leap of faith. The other night, literally 12.30 Saturday nights, a young man knocked on our door. Tiffany and I were both sleeping, obviously, and I thought it was dreaming. You, you hear the knock and you think you're dreaming, and it happened again, and, I, and Tiffany's awake now, and she says there's someone at the door. So I go to the window, and I look outside, and it's the young man walking away after about probably two minutes of no one answering the door. Next morning, I don't know, early again at the door, knocking. So I went down, and I opened the door for him. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? It's winter. It's freezing cold. It's raining. It's, he calls his wife in. They're running around in the streets because they were in a hotel, took their tax money, only had enough money for a week, came from far away. And uh, you know, I helped this gentleman before, so he came to the house and said, we need a place to stay. God told us to come, and we took a leap of faith. So in other words, faith comes by hearing the word of God. You telling me that God told you to come with no money, and God tells us sometimes to do things with no money, but you running around with a brand new wife in the streets while it's raining, you don't have a place to stay, and you say that's faith. That just doesn't add up. That's not God. And so many people are doing things, calling it faith, and it's not faith. Because when God speaks, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then it will work. But so many times we do things out of our assumption and what we think should be done and happen. And that's not God. That's not faith. But God said, no, we're not going to talk about that today. So my little teaching today is, why is this thing called love so important? The whys of life. Why is love so important? We hear this word everywhere we go. We see it everywhere we go. Riding down the road on a billboard next to the road. Magazines, newspapers, TVs, articles, everywhere. Love, 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 love. We see it everywhere. So why is this word so important? And in the Bible we read it as well. Why is love so important? If we can turn to 1 Timothy 1.5, let's have a look there. 1 Timothy 1.5. Okay, 1 Timothy 1.5 says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love. The purpose of the commandment is love. So that in itself should wake us up to the importance of this word love. Why is love important? Because the purpose of the commandment is love. And it goes on to say, from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. There we have it. 
The purpose of the commandment is love. How important is that? Paul is writing. Paul is a guy who got the gospel not from man, not from books, not from DVDs. He got the revelation from Jesus Christ himself. And he says the importance of this gospel, the commandment that was given to us is for one thing, to love. And how many of us are really living that love life, that love path, that love walk every single minute of every day of our life? So we're going to look at why is this love thing so important. Well, because the commandment is because of love. It says from a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Have you ever asked yourself, what is love? There's so many songs. I think Tina Turner was one in the 80s. What is love? Howard Jones had some songs. What is love? And and people sing about, but what is love? Because you see it, as I say, on a billboard. I said this morning, I've heard two people, one a Republican, one a Democrat, both saying, I love my country, and that's why I'm believing this is the right way to go. Yet their, their, their thought process is so different, one from another, But they use the same word, I'm doing this for love of my country. So love, what is love? If you're doing that and you're doing that, but you're using the same word, how how can that word even be the reason why you're doing the things you're doing? What is this love? So we hear it all the time. I mean, in our modern day vernacular, I just wrote a couple of things. Yeah, I love my shoes. I love my house. I love my car. I love my country. I love my Harley. I do. I love Cheesecake Factory. I've heard that before. I love my wife. I love my child. I love my church, my pastor, my counselor. I love God. I love my boyfriend. I love my washing powder. Man, you get a stain on your clothes. You use this. It comes out. Man, this washing powder is amazing. I just love this washing powder. So if we can use love for our wife, for our spouse, for our car, for God, what is love? If, if this one word covers all of that, Can we really get a glimpse or an idea of what this word is? So what we have to do is we have to go to our dictionary, which is the Bible. Because in our dictionary, the Bible, not only do we see the word, but we can see people's lives who lived according to that word or didn't live according to that word. And then we can see the repercussions of that. So if you can see someone that walked in love, you can mark his or her life in the Bible and it turned out good. And if you can see someone that didn't, I mean, words like honor, we hear that thrown around all the time, honor, respect. What does honor mean? Because that's another word, honor. I'll keep my word. I've got your back. Then when you look around you, they're the first people to run. That's not honor. But when we look in the word, what honor is, what God says about honor, what God says about love, we get the truth about that word. So we're going to dive into the word today and look, why is this word love? so important. When I was living in Japan, I went out with a DJ one night. He was working at a famous club in England called the Ministry of Sound. It's a very, very big club. And he was a very famous DJ. And God just, I've met amazing people by the grace of God. And we were on a train one night. We were traveling somewhere and just talking. And I know that he he was married and uh, the previous weekend, he went away with another woman some, to somewhere else in the country. And I said to him, man, what are you going to do if your wife catches you? And his answer was this. He said, I am so careful 
that my wife does not catch me. I make certain that she will never, ever catch me because I love her too much. And if she would find out, it would absolutely crush her. And I was living in sin. I wasn't living for God, but his answer just hit me so hard. Holy Spirit just shone a light into my heart that that answer almost, it almost made me sick. Here I'm hanging out with a person who says he loves his wife too much to be silly about cheating on her because if she would find out, it would absolutely crush her. But he used the word love. I love my wife too much for her to find out. What, what is this love? What is love really? How, if people can use love like that, what does this word mean? So let's see what the word has to say. So Paul writes to Timothy here and he's teaching him and he says we are to love from a pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith. So in other words, on the flip side of that coin, if it's possible to love with a pure heart, it's then possible to love with an impure heart, which means a heart that has not the right motives. So when you love, Paul writes, love from a pure heart. Make sure what's driving you, the force behind the reason you do things you do, make sure that that force is love. And that is the ruling direction, the ruling thing that draws and pulls you towards anything that you do in your life. Your heart has pure love in it. He goes on. He doesn't just talk about the heart. He talks about your conscience. He says having a pure conscience, a good conscience. So it's possible to love out of an evil conscience. And then he goes on in the third one. He says this is what you also need to do. He says from sincere faith. Sincere faith. So faith is a substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. Why are you hoping for certain things in your life? Why are you putting your faith out there to reach certain goals or positions or places in your life what is the drive behind that faith is it sincere faith because you want to please God or do you want to be a fortune 500 company so that you can drive a, a, a nice car and live in, in a big house or do you want to be that owner of that company so you can put money into the gospel you can take kids who can't pay to go to school you can take them into your you can pay their education you can do with that money what other people won't be able to do but the drive behind it must be sincere faith. And a lot of people, unfortunately, in their hearts, they're doing things that are not pure. And Holy Spirit is always there, dear brother and sister, speaking to you and I, saying, ah, check that thing. You and I have no excuse. We can't get away with it. And every day when we wake up is a new opportunity to live love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. And every night when we go to bed and you lay your head on the pillow, you can look introspectively, look at your life and say, how did I do today? Holy Spirit, out of 10, what did I get today? And he's never there to condemn. He's never there to, to badmouth you. He's never out to get you. He will show you and he will say, well, you know, yeah, you could have done a little different. And then we, it's on us to say, yes, I see that. That's right. And tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to do better than I did today. That's that pure heart. That's that love that God talks about in this. So this love thing is pretty important according to the word. 
So if we take last or two weeks' messages ago when Artem and Jackie preached, it was really, really good. It was so anointed. I said this morning, I had to go home, take their message, and look in the mirror. Because they, t- they spoke about eternal life. What is eternal life? It's knowing God. And I had to go look myself. Do I really know God? Am, am I walking out here in the streets of Richmond? Do people look at me and say, wow, there's someone who knows God. Can people honestly look at my life and say, oh, there's another one of those. There's one of those Jesus freaks. There's one of those people that believe. There's one of those people that love. Can people honestly say that about my life? And I had to look in the mirror. And it doesn't matter how long you serve God, you're always going to go back to that mirror. Because you can always do better. You can always do more. Because he's always leading. Because we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. The day that you and I don't go to the mirror and don't look at our lives... And what we're not doing right, that's the day we start getting in trouble. But if you and I every day can go to the mirror and say, wow, take that message, listen to it again. Wow, Holy Spirit, do I know you? Do I really walk out the way you want me to walk out life? And then we heard the students, the testimonies from them. When the one girl came and she said, well, lady, I came to church and when I received my certificate, I cried because I didn't belong. Nobody knew me. No one liked me. I wasn't. Jackie said, wow, you you come to church for the completely wrong reason. You you got it all wrong. It's turned upside down. You don't come to church so people can be your friend and people can listen to you and people can, you come to church to help others. You come to church because you are so full of God that when you come here, you are able to minister to others. And in our churches, many, many times it's turned around. We come to church to get. This should be the healthiest place on earth the face of God's green earth. The people that walk through that door should be so full because of the time we spend with God on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday so that when we walk in here on Sunday, we are so filled with the love and the glory of God and the goodness and I can't wait to give. I can't wait to testify. I can't wait to lay my hands on you. I can't wait. Give me the mic. Let me tell you what God did this week. So many people come and they, there's nothing wrong with a prayer line. Don't misunderstand me. But if you stand here because you didn't get with God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there's no reason coming here on a Sunday and saying, touch me, fill me, anoint me. And that's the difference. And now there's a, there's a young lady that, that got that message, got the truth, and walked out of here saying, now I come to church for a different reason. Church has never been the same since Jackie spoke that truth over my life. That's living the truth of the word. That's the love of God. We come here. I'm here so that I can bless you. And you should be here so that you can bless me. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents. And when we come here to this place to honor him for no other reason, then church is going to work. And then people will stop talking about, well, that church this and that denomination that and that pastor ran away with that woman and that guy took all that money. This shouldn't be. They shouldn't be able to say that about anyone in a church. They should look at us and say, there's another one of those. I want to be like that. 
And that's why this love thing is so important. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. It's very quiet. Are we okay? Okay. Right, 1 John 7 to 11. Get this. Beloved, let us love one another. There, we come to church. Why? Because we love one another. Let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Dear brother and sister, how well do you know God? That means, how is your love walk? How did you love today? How did I love today? How did we as the body of Christ love today? Because that word, as we heard through Artem two weeks ago, is the Greek word gnosko, which means an intimate, personal relationship. So if we have that intimate, personal relationship with God, we will know him and then we will love. Because man, once that love has touched you, and once that love has transformed you, and you are not the same because of the love of God, your life cannot be the same. It's impossible. And we have example after example after example of people who were just absolutely nothing. And then the love of God got hold of them. And now their life is different because they love and they know God. That's what the word says. So, he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Said it this morning. How many people have you ever heard who say, I just don't feel like God loves me. And you come for a prayer line and people are, man, God doesn't love me. I've done this. I've done that. God doesn't. God is angry. God is not there. I don't feel God loves me. And here this verse says, in this, the love of God was manifest towards us. So if we can start living in truth instead of feelings, church is going to be better. Church is going to work. If we can live to what the word says instead of what we feel like and how. You, you have pr- probably found out by now that one day life you're good and the next day something happens. Have, have, have you all seen that or is it just me? Man, thing, one thing is, wow, it's good. You know, 1914, your Deutschmark is, is wonderful. 1920, it means absolutely nothing. So one day you're up, the next day you're down. That doesn't change God's love. You can't say when you're down in the dumps or you're going through a test or a trial, it just doesn't feel like God loves me. No, the Bible says in this the love of God was manifest. You are loved. Otherwise, he wouldn't send Jesus. It's not a feeling gospel. It's a truth gospel. One thing sets us free. That's the truth. Not feelings. Because feelings come and go. I've heard so many people, man, I'm in love, and then three years later, I fell out of love. What in the world is that? You fall in love and you fall out of love. Love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. I choose to love you. It's not I choose to feel this about you. Choose your love and love your choice. How can you one day just be so madly in love? And a couple of years later, there's nothing there. 
that's not, that's why people are battling with this L-O-V-E word. What is love? The whys of life. Why is this love so important? Because no matter what happens in life, we are loved. So no matter how down you are, you should be able, I should be able to come through that door and say, who can I pray for? Because I am so loved. Who's having a problem here? Let me pray for you because I am so loved. Because the Bible says, while you and I were yet sinners, Christ came and he died for us. Hey, think of yourself on your worst day. And this is not a sin exercise, sin consciousness exercise. This is just the true love of God. You on your very worst day, the worst thing that you have ever done, Jesus says, I still came and I paid while you were doing that. I still came for you because I love you that much. That's the truth. So no matter what we're going through, no matter how we feel, we are loved by him. And it's a good day. So it goes on to say that we might live through him. We live through him. I don't have to do life by myself anymore. Life by myself was hard. Life by myself, having to make it on my own, my strength, my goodness, my, it didn't work. Now I live my life through him and honest to God. This is not an uh, exaggeration. I do, I look at my own mother who does not believe like I do. And I think to myself, how do you exist? How do you make life without Jesus? I, I, I can't do it. I, I've, I've come to the point where I cannot live without him. If I have to go through the things in life that I go through, without Jesus, I will not make it. That's just the truth. But I don't have to make it on my own because now I live my life through him. And now I don't have to make my future. I don't have to make my destiny and my call and my gifts and my talents and my, my, my. It's all about me living through him. And now life becomes easy because we sung tonight. I just rest in the promise of your provision. Because you see, that's a lot of people's problems is I take care of the family where Jesus says, I will be your caretaker. That's probably why the family is not doing well because you're taking care of them instead of God. And when we can come and live through him, and he now leads and guides, and my life is here, I'm living for one reason, and that is to please him. There's no other purpose for me here on this earth but to please him. And now life just changes from what it was to what it's supposed to be. Because now his anointing, his breath, his wisdom helps me to go through life, not mine anymore. So it goes on. In this is love. Ah, so what is love? In this is love. If you didn't know what love is, in this is love. Okay? Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the penalty or the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There's the answer. What is love? Love is loving like Jesus. That's love. 
Because on my worst day, Jesus never pointed the finger and said, you knucklehead, son of a blah, blah, blah. He didn't do that. He said, I see the worth in you. I see that which I have laid up on the inside of you, and I'm going after that. And man can point finger, man can say this, man can say, but Jesus knows who we are, what we are, because he made us. And he's always chasing after that. He's not chasing after the people clapping and the people honoring and the people giving praise. He's going after that which he put inside of us, which he made us to be. And now he takes that and he places it in his body according to his good pleasure. So I don't have to worry about where do I fit in? What do I need to do? I just live through him and he places me where he wants me to be. That is love. Now Paul goes on to write and he tells us how we can get to this. And we're going to read a couple of verses here that I'm sure we all can quote and we've all heard and we all pray ourselves, which we should. Ephesians 1 verse 18. Paul prays and he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Don't we all want that? Is that not the desire of our hearts? Our understanding being enlightened to know the mysteries of God, to have wisdom that comes from the throne room of heaven so that people are battling. How are we going to do this? How are you going to overcome this? That knowledge, that enlightenment comes from above. And I, I got it. This is what we're going to do. That is what we want. He prays that the understanding of being enlightened, our understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You see, it's his calling. It's not what mom and dad said you are. It's not what your teacher said you are. It's not what the professor at university said you are. It's what God called you to be. That is what you are. To know the hope of his calling. And when you find that, And you start walking in that. Man, you will have testimony after testimony about this was impossible. I was facing this and God did this. And when we can find out what his calling is for us, life is going to work. Because now we can walk out what he has planned for us before the foundation of the earth. So this is what we pray. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Man, Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Oh, there's that word again. Just can't get away from it. Not when you open this Bible. That you and I be rooted and grounded in love. What does that mean? Any storm that comes, any wind that blows, you're not moved because you are rooted and grounded in love. The Bible tells us how love acts, to love like Jesus loved. So no matter whether you know me or don't know me, no matter what you say about me, no matter who you think I am, that does not matter. What matters is that I am rooted and grounded in his love for me. So your opinion, what you think about me doesn't really matter. I would like you to like me. I really, I'm not here trying to make you not like me and walk out and pick a fight. That's not me anymore. But if you don't like me, it's okay. Because I'm loved and I know it. So what you think about me, you have come too late to change my mind about his thoughts about me. And now I can treat you as one like Jesus would treat you as one. 
That is why this love thing is so important, that we would be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know, there's that word again, the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It goes way beyond what people can give you. It goes way beyond what books can teach you, DVDs, pastors, ministers, the finest preacher. It goes way beyond what he can give to you through a teaching or a sermon or a book. The love of God, that it passes knowledge. In other words, where this thing fries up and it can only go to that point, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. It's like when you reach the ceiling of this is how far, that's where he starts. And he says, let me show you. Because it passes knowledge. That is what we are looking for. To know the love of Christ was passes knowledge. And this, I said this morning, is absolutely ridiculous. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you and I may be filled with all the fullness of God. You can't read that with your mind. You have to read that verse with your spirit. How big is God? How big is a Grand Canyon? How big is a Pacific Ocean? How big is God? How wise is God? Do you think he has a lot of wisdom? How smart? How? But this verse says, if we know how much he loves us, we can be filled with the fullness of him. There's only one way we're going to get that, by faith. You can't read that with a natural mind and say, amen, it's just impossible. That has to be read with your spirit, because your spirit can believe that, and your spirit can receive it, where your mind will, it will fry out. It can't go that far. But he tells us this is available to us. Okay, but now Paul describes to us how we're going to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6 and 9. Once again, these are verses that we can probably quote. If you've been in church any amount of time, you will know this passage. Paul writes, however we speak the wisdom of those, uh, we speak wisdom amongst those, sorry, who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. I said last week in the tithe and offering message, man, you can go to the computer now, you can Google anything. Knowledge is out there at the point of your fingertips to the point of the nth degree. Just take that phone, Google, whatever. There's so much knowledge out there, yet people don't know what bathroom to go to. People are confused about, am I this, am I that? You can Google anything on the face of this planet, but people struggle with, why am I here? Who am I? Why did God make me? You can't Google that. You can't put that in a computer that man made and it spit out the perfect answer. If I want to go to somebody's house, I can map quest and it tells me, turn right here, 50 meters, turn left, go here, 100% it will take me there. It can do that. But the computer cannot tell me my call, my destiny, who I am in Christ, what he thinks about me. I can only get that from him. So Google is amazing, but it's got nothing on God. And you can only go to a certain level with Google, but God will take you far beyond that. And that is what we are looking for. So he says, not the wisdom of this age that is coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, 
the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Now it goes on, it says, but as it is written, and this is what we want. This, this part of scripture is so phenomenal. It says, as it is written, I has not seen. Would you not like to receive something? Would you not like to see something that no other human being has ever seen? It's never been revealed to anyone on this earth. I mean, wouldn't that be, yes, that's, I would just so much like where God says something to me that he's never said to anyone else. Not so that I can go stand in the mirror and say, God told me, I'm not going to tell you. That's not the reason. But there's something that's just out there for me. And when I get that, I can bless you with that. I use this morning, I use it often, the example of the hula hoop. How silly. What a crazy invention. You're going to call it what? The hula hoop. What are you going to do with that round circle thing? I'm going to spin it around my waist. You know how much money the person made who invented the hula hoop? Who's laughing now? But he saw something that no other human being saw. Or he saw something and tried and did something that no other human being was going to do. I don't know if that person was the first ever to receive that, but he said, you know what, I'm going to put this into practice. And so many times God speaks and we just say, oh, that's a silly idea, that can't be God. The Bible talks about witty inventions that he will give to us. So we can receive things that nobody has seen. We can receive things that nobody has heard. And we can receive things that have not entered into the hearts of men. People haven't heard this before. And this is going to happen more and more as, as the, 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 the time gets quicker. And we're coming to the end and things are happening all the time. That we have to hear from God. And what we hear, we must know that God told me to do that. I'm going to do this. Because we can't confer with flesh and blood. Because you can't go to someone else and say, did God tell? What do you think this is? Do you think this is God? And they're going to look at you and say, that's crazy. You've lost your mind. That's stupid. But God said it. So it's going to work. And God wants to reveal things that no other human being has heard. Look at this next part. The things which God has prepared for those. It's already prepared. It's already there. It's waiting for you and I to receive it. It doesn't have to be made. God doesn't have to go and do it. He already prepared it. What does the word prepared mean? It's there. It's ready and waiting. When I go home, there's a meal prepared for me by my amazing wife. All I have to do is go into the kitchen and chow down. That's all. It's prepared, it's made. And God says, I have prepared, I have made things for you that no one else can receive. That's the relationship that I have with you. That's how precious, that's how special you are. But how are we going to get this? Look here. He can only give these things to those who, who love him. Back to that little word. How is your love walk, dear friend? How well do you know God? Because he has prepared such amazing things for us. But he can't give it to us if we do not love. 
How is your love walk? 1 Corinthians 13, 11. This is how we're going to get this. Because Paul writes here, he says, we speak the wisdom amongst those who are mature. So what is mature wisdom? What is, what is a mature person? Look here, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. How does a child think? How does a child talk? How does a child understand? What does a child's world exist of? Me, myself, and I. And you are here to serve me, myself, and I. That's what children do. They don't know anything better. They're not old enough to understand. They don't know. That's why we have to train them up, teach them in the way that they should go. But a child, when they want to eat, when do they want to eat? Now. And when they don't get the food now, what happens? Tantrum. Cry. I want you. Now, today, Tiffany, after church, went here to Panera's. The little waitress came and gave Nathan a nice biscuit, chocolate chip cookie. And he ate it. And when he was finished, he wanted another one. And we were just, I wasn't there. But Tiffany's like, sorry, Nathan, you've had one. That's enough. He didn't like that. So what does he do? He tries to perform, and he tries to have his way. Why? Because that's what children do. They want the second cookie when one this size is more than enough. And then when he gets home and there's another cookie in the bag, what does he want? He wants that cookie. And what do children do? Me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. And Paul says when you can stop acting like a child, when you can become mature, when the world does not revolve around me, myself, and I, then I have things prepared for you, my child, that are so amazing that your eyes have never seen them before. I have prepared things for you that are so great that your ears haven't even heard. Isn't that amazing that God has prepared that? He's just waiting for us to grow up. He's waiting for us to love so that he can say, here, take that. Do you know what rifle? Before Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden, I had prepared that for you. But I had to wait for 45 years for you to mature so that I could give that to you. If you had matured, if you had walked in love, if you had obeyed the command like the word says, I could have given that to you on your 21st birthday. But man, you were doing this and me and myself. But now, wow. Take this, because you're old enough to receive it now. You're mature. You're not thinking just about yourself. You're placing others above you. You're going after the kingdom and not after your little life and what you want. And that's the only time we can receive it, because he has prepared those for those who love him. So Paul says, when I was a child, I did this, everything like a child. But then he says, when I became a man, I put away Childish things from me. Childish things do not go away because you grow older. Every one of you know Uncle Ray Ray, who's 56 years old and still acting like a child. And every one of you knows someone in the church that has been saved longer than you, but they're still acting childish. 
when they don't get their way, well, God said it and this didn't happen. Where? That's childish. God can't give you that power, that gift that he has prepared for you if you and I are going to act like children. You don't take a machine gun, put it in a child's hand and say, just don't point this at people, okay? You can't give that power to a child. And God is not going to give us power and say, okay, just don't point that at people when you're going to use us in ministry, okay? He has this phenomenal gift. He can't do it because then the body is going to be damaged and he can't damage his bride. So, dear brother and sister, how much do you and I want those things that God has prepared for us before the foundation of the world? Are we prepared to love others like Jesus loves us? Because that's the only way we're going to get that. How much do we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? And we can read books now. There are people going to heaven almost every week, coming back, telling you about heaven, how phenomenal it is, and wow. And we can have that down here. People that cuss and swear and use God's name and you know, things like this, we can actually have them turn around and say, you know what, I never knew that he was that loving. That's why I did that. I never knew that he cared. My parents did this and said that you have no idea what my life was like. But when we start acting as mature adults, God can give us those things that other people can see. There's another one of those that know him. There's another one of those lovers. That's who we should be. This church, not this church, every church, church should be amazing. People from the outside should be flocking in here to say, please, I need someone in the church to pray for me because your God is just so amazing. Like the old covenant, man, wherever you went, your God went before you and all the enemies were flattened. He's the same God. He didn't change. He's just asking us to walk in love. He's just asking us to grow up. That's all he's asking. So when we go home tonight, can we look in the mirror? I'll do it first. And ask myself, Rifle, are you living the love life of God? Or are you acting like a child? Are you loving your wife like Jesus loved the church? Wife, are you loving your husband and honoring him? Not because he's right. There's no little parenthesis in there that I should only love Tiffany when she's cooking well and cleaning the house good. It's not in there. It says, rifle, you love Tiffany as I love you, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. And I'm hungry for the more of God. I'm hungry for those things that have not entered my eyes, my ears, my heart to come. Because they're already prepared. They are there. It's like Christmas. You know the presents are there. You know that they are there. All you're waiting for is for mom and dad to say, okay, it's time. Come down. Because we have prepared this for you. And God says, I have prepared something so amazing for you. Just grow up. And this is not a grow up message. It's a man. He has prepared such amazing things for us. Let us grow up and go and receive what he has. That's why love is so important. And that's why love is not a four-letter board on a billboard 
It's not a magazine article. It's not what Google or the dictionary says. Love is this. Love others as Jesus loved you. Let us stand. Forget about the person next to you now. Just by yourself. Just go to Holy Spirit. If he has shown you something in your heart that is not of him, if he has maybe shown you an area in your life that you are acting like a child, that you are not mature, and he says, I want you to grow up in this, the only reason he's saying I want you to grow is because he has an amazing gift. He wants to give you something that he has already prepared before the foundation of the earth. So just now go to him. Lord, we just come right now. Thank you for today's word. Help us look into that mirror. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts and we say we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. We want to grow up and love. Thank you that you lead, that you guide, that you speak, that you counsel. Thank you that you are always good. Thank you that you are always for us. You're never against us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Lord, that I can go home and make my marriage amazing because I can love better after this message. Thank you that I can go to my work tomorrow and make my work better because of this message today. Thank you that I can go to my university class and I can make class much better because of this message today. So thank you, Lord, that I can walk out of these doors and make life better for people around me because I love. I am mature. I'm not going to be thinking about me, myself, and I, but I'm going to live my life through you, and I'm going to fulfill and know your call for me. That is my desire. So Holy Spirit, show as I open myself and say, I am the clay, you are the potter, Abba Father. Mold me and make me whatever you want me to be because I want to be pleasing to you. We ask this with sincere hearts. We truly, God, we want to love. We want to be examples of the love of God here in Richmond, Virginia. We bless you. We thank you for this amazing day. We thank you for your word and the anointing that you speak to us with that we can see and do and become what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, we praise you. If anyone has prayer requests, you can come to us in the front. We would love to pray with you. Go out, be love, and receive what he has for you. God bless. Thank you.